Enemies of the Home, Galatians chapter number 4, and we'll look at verse 16 through 20 in Galatians chapter number 4. Now, as you're looking at your um, sheet there, your paper there, and hopefully everyone uh, has one of those. Are we good on pens? Anybody need a pen? You got a pen? You guys are getting better and better about bringing pens because you know mine don't write, I guess, right? <laughs> Galatians chapter number 4. And right away, you can see that we have a talking point that comes up right after we read this. So I want you to be considering this point here. What is at stake if we produce a home with no direction? So the first enemy that we're going to look at today is the enemy of no direction. Enemy number one is the enemy of no direction, no direction for the home. Now, who is in charge of setting the direction for the home? Well, primarily, according to the Bible, that the man is supposed to plot the course, but I believe it's something that you would you talk about. You'd be on the same page uh, because, guys, you know this, uh, that um, or I guess the famous Maxwell saying is um, he who leads with no one following him is just taking a walk. Right. So sometimes if you're just you're going a direction, but nobody's following you, you're off on your own, then you're really not leading. Right. And so you want to be on the same page. And this is why it's good for a husband and a wife to agree upon uh, the direction that we want for our home. So our question that we're going to look at in just a second is what's at stake if we produce a home without a direction or without any direction or without good direction. So let's look at this first in Galatians chapter number four, 16 through 20. I really, really like uh, verse 19. And so we're going to look at that as we come into this. It says this, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. And that's a great verse to realize. At some point, someone in church, maybe pastor or maybe someone that cares for you, maybe just a good friend is going to come to you and say, hey, this might be something that you need to work on in your life. This might be a wrong area. And you might be tempted to shoot the messenger. But Paul asks him, he says, look, if I correct you on something, does that make me your enemy just because I'm trying to tell you the truth in love? 17, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you, that you might affect them, 18. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you, 19. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. One of my favorite uh, Bible college teachers, he taught the book of Proverbs and a lot of uh, counseling classes that I took uh, his life verse was verse number 19. I really like that verse. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until, what does it say right there? Christ be formed in you. How many of you in here have given birth to a human? Okay. All right. So I am just showing you an example. I have not myself, right? Okay. Uh, so it's strange even in 2019, it kind of broke down along gender lines there, didn't it? Right. Uh, so as a lady, you understand the, the agony and the travail, but yet the purpose, the joy of that birth process, okay? And what Paul's saying is, he says, my goal is I'm going to work and I'm going to travail or I'm going to work hard and diligently, no matter how long it takes, for this purpose and for this end. Here's the purpose, that Christ be formed in you. And that's my goal as a Sunday school teacher. That should be your goal as you become a spiritual leader, as maybe God places you obviously your spiritual leader in your home guys ladies and uh wherever you may lead the point is is that whoever you're trying you're trying to impress upon them that mark until christ is formed in their life let's look at this then what is uh at stake if we produce a home without any direction in other words it's just 
things kind of just flow and, and we get busy and all these other things. I was talking to somebody this morning. I text him, hey, you come to church. want to uh, invite you, whatever else. And she said, oh, you know, we're just really busy on Sundays. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. But I took the opportunity. And so I said, look, everybody's busy on Sundays. Uh, it's just people decide whether or not church and God is going to be a priority for them and for their family. And so uh, how many of you are busy today? You could have been busy today? Busy? Okay, great, okay. And so you, you decided you're going to make this a priority though. So what's at stake if you just let your home float without any direction? What do you got? Anarchy? Okay, all right, good. So total and utter chaos, right? That would be uh, the very first thing that we think at. And that is, uh, that is a clear and present danger, absolutely. Anybody else? Okay, conflicts. Okay. Kara? Um, apathy. Okay, that's good. Apathy. And then all of a sudden you, uh, you find yourself like uh, avoidance. Because um, I feel like if people avoid things at home, then that means they avoid things in other parts of their life. Like if you have an issue with someone at church, talk to them. Mm-hmm. If you have an issue at home, talk to them. Don't avoid it. Right. So avoidance is going to bring all those other issues up. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Anybody else? This is good. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't laugh, Yeah, that was not funny. That is not funny. Okay. All right. You know how the scripture says, like, but there is no vision that people perish. Boom. Like you can have, like, if you don't have like a vision or goal to outline for your family structure, then like everything could be out of order. Everything could be like black. No. Absolutely. I want you to think of your home as your own organization as your, right? So you've got the du- Duquette Inc., you know, and the, the Breeden Inc., and uh, these companies here. And they will fail without leadership. They will fail without direction. And there's a reason why. I, I always think it's really, really funny when people act like some people are just blessed with good kids, right? Well, you, know, you, well, you wouldn't understand. Your kids are just good kids. Uh, no, you wouldn't understand that it takes hard work, direction, clear leadership, consistency, faithfulness in order to produce good kids, right? Uh, good kids are not, don't happen. They are produced, right? That's why the Bible says train up a child. The, the subject is not there, but it's an understood subject for you English majors. The understood subject is you. Who's supposed to train up the child? You are supposed to train up the child. You, as a parent reading this, you train up the child in the way she go, and then when he is old, he will not depart from it. But it's going to have to be, you know, it's just like, man, some people are just so blessed that they're rich. Some people are just so blessed that they have good kids. Some people are just blessed that they have a great marriage, you know, just out of nowhere. They just happen to stumble into a great marriage with great compatibility and stuff. But we understand that that's just a cheap cop-out that it actually takes that. So I was thinking about this this week. What would be a good, if I was to define a good mission statement for our class? Because I felt like, man, I didn't really have a good clear one. And so I took time to write this down. I would say that a good clear mission statement for our class that I'm gonna run with is families loving God and serving together. If I could say there's one thing that I want to, okay, so I look at this. If it's my job as the, the quote unquote leader of this class, okay? If I'm the leader of this class, then what is my job or what am I trying to produce? I'm trying to produce in you, I'm trying to travail and birth again until Christ be formed in you, right? This thing right here, families that are loving God and that are serving together. And if you have that direction that this is who we love and this is, this is who we serve, then I believe that's something that your kids and your family and your spouse can follow happily because it's a life that's centered around Christ, okay? And a lot of families are centered on just surviving or on entertainment, right? Or on, you know, whatever, but we should be centered on something that's a lot higher. Let's look at this then. The very first thing I want you to write down. These all come from verse number 19. It's a powerful verse. I want you to look at this. It's the pattern. 
Write that down, the very first thing. Um, the pattern, verse number 19. God will give us a pattern. I just saw someone this week, they put on Facebook, and they said, don't judge this person, whatever, don't judge whatever, whatever, because uh, it's hard raising kids, and they, they, kids don't come with a manual. They literally said that. And so I had to resist, uh, of course, responding like they actually do come with a manual, and it's the Bible. I didn't say it, because uh, I don't know the person that well, and I didn't want to be that, that guy. Uh, but anything that you're going after in life, uh, the Bible says they that would be rich. So if you want to pursue riches, if you want to pursue a good family, if you want to pursue a great home, whatever you want to pursue, the pattern for that is laid out in the Bible. So either we are following that pattern or we're not. And it's just, it's really that simple, okay? Um, we talked about this before about putting the pattern in your life. This one, I want you to think about it. This is the goal that we would have. We want to impress upon the lives of our kids something so profound that it transfers off into their life. And what is that? That is the image of Christ, Christ-likeness. And if we're able to do that through consistency, through prayer, through faith in God's word, then we can see our kids grow up and our marriage mature into something that is more pleasing to Christ than it is today. What I see a lot of times, okay, is that Parents start out, okay, so you, you bring a kid home from the hospital, okay, and you start out with really high goals uh, for that child, okay? Maybe that they would honor Christ, that they'd be pleasing to him, all of those things. Uh, that they would serve him all of their days, right? That they'd be loving, whatever, whatever. Maybe you didn't even start with that. Maybe you just said, okay, I just don't want this child to grow up and be a criminal. I don't know, okay? But hopefully we shoot higher than that because as Christians, we should shoot higher than that, Okay. So we understand that them being a good person, them being a good Christian will affect every area of their life. They'll be a better employee. They'll, they'll make more money because of that. They'll be more responsible. They won't drink their money away. They won't whatever, whatever. However, as the kids get older and then they start to come in teenagers and stuff like that, we start to make concessions and we say, well, you know, I mean, you can't really expect for them to like still like going to church. You can't really expect for them to, you can't really expect for them to still obey. You can't really expect for them to whatever, whatever. And so we sort of start to track down our goals just a little bit and say, well, this would probably be a good realistic landing point now. You know, maybe we were just shooting too high before and all that other stuff. And so maybe now this would be a better goal. And then they get into 16 and, and they're fighting you on every little thing and trying to put your foot down on stuff. And they're, they're tripping you up and they're trying to fight you on all those other things. And so finally we just land at right here. We say like, well, as long as they're just, they're a pretty good and pretty moral person with a decent marriage and all of those things. The problem is, is that, let's say that this is just good for society, right? All of the things that are Christianity related and stuff like that are all in this area right here that we're going to concede, okay? So we end up having 19, 20, 21-year-olds who, even though they were raised in church, really aren't in church, and really honestly, you say, oh, it's all about church, it's all about church, it's not all about church, it's what it is. I'll just put it bluntly. They really don't have a desire for God. Now, you could, you could look at it. Let's just be honest about things. We could, we, could, we could say a lot of things like, oh, they're really good kids and they're my kids, whatever. And I know that they're your kids, but let's not let, let's not let our vision be skewered on this thing, okay? They either have a desire for Christ or they don't. That's, yeah. that's the case, okay? And so we need to be willing to say, if my 15-year-old doesn't have a desire for Christ and they're wanting to pull back on everything and they're wanting – because I, I, 
we all went through this. I went through this, okay? I tested my parents on things, okay? I was the firstborn. I was the stubborn child. I was the stronghold. I tested them on everything that could be tested, okay? From bedtime to whatever else, all right? I tested them on it. But if you're willing to not give up ground and not concede things, okay, the goal should always be this right here. I want Christ to be formed in you. I want you to have a desire to serve God that goes beyond the, once you leave the Solwick household, once you leave the Littleton household, I want you to take that into your household one day. There's a thing about breaking generational chains, okay? How many of you, you did not grow up in a house where your parents consistently took you to church and led you in biblical ways? How many of you did not grow up in a house like that, okay? That is 60% of the room in here. That means for you that if you can break that generational structure, though, here's the exciting thing, okay? Your kids will raise a family that is honoring to God, Christ formed in them, consistent to church, and making wise choices. Your grandkids have that same shot in going on and on and on because you started it. So you have something really, really great to pursue here. My dad, when he got saved uh, at 12 years old, his parents sent him to camp because they were kind of, they wanted to get him out of the house for two weeks, okay? It was not because they loved God. They didn't even know it was a Bible camp. He's like, oh, it's a church camp. They're like, oh, that's fine. You're still gone for two weeks. Go ahead and go. And so they got him out of the house and then he became a teenager. He, he started going to church. They weren't going to church. He led, he saw them saved when he was, you know, in his 20s or whatever because he decided he was going to start something. And so it did not start with them. It started with him. And so if this is starting with you, if you're the first generation on that, that's great. You have the opportunity to pass down to your kids this mold of what a Christian home should look like. That's something your grandkids get to grow up in. The Bible talks about this. If we're going to leave, if we leave an inheritance, you don't leave it for your kids. You leave it for your kids' kids. Why is that? Because they're gonna, you're going to die. They're going to fight over it and different things like that. So really, we should look beyond just our kids and say, okay, what does the next generation grow up in if I do this right? If I don't give up ground, okay, if I don't just look the other way on, on, on teenage drinking and getting to other things, right, and partying and crowd, whatever, if I hold my line, hey, this is what we raised you to be. We're not moving on this. If you can hold your line, you create a really great opportunity for your grandkids and going on from that. Wouldn't it be amazing if seven generations from now that the Fowlers <laughs> And the, the, the Blodgettes and the Adams were still in church and going forward and Amen. their kids and their kids and their kids. Why? Because you made a decision that you were going to hold the line on what you wanted for your family. Write this down. Our kids are gifts from the Lord. Of course, the story is, is Hannah. But our kids are gifts from the Lord. I really like this quote. When your children are young, they can step on your toes. But when they're old, they're going to step on your heart. Make sure that you're producing them a desire to follow God. Um, be here. We are simply stewards of their lives. We are stewards of their lives. And again, the goal with that is, is that we want Christ to be formed inside them, okay? So that's our pattern. Then here we go. There's always a process to everything. The process the process there's a um, I don't know if you like like watching business shows or whatever else but there's a there's a business show called The Prophet that I like watching everyone has seen him before he goes and he takes failing businesses and turns them around and things like that okay so he has three P's that he says always have to be right if a business is going to succeed he said there has to be good people great processes and a good product now whenever he goes in there people processes and product 
There's always two of three that are right in 90% of the episodes. There's always good people that are dedicated. It's usually a mom and pop thing. They're, they're dedicated. They have a good product, but they're really, really lacking in their process. So they don't know how to systematically move from A to B. So really what he does is he injects just good habits and processes and can turn things around. For most people, if you're struggling in an area, simply putting in good processes would help your family to do so much better. And here's what we mean. Uh, Let's look at three of them, three processes you can put in. The first thing is a personal relationship. A personal relationship. I like this quote from Bobby Robertson. Rules without relationship breeds resentment and rebellion. We talked about this before. When they're three, four, five, six years old, okay, hey, I need you to do this, and them just doing it is where it needs to start because they need to learn obedience. However, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, you need to add in the why, okay? We don't touch the socket because there's this thing called electricity, right? And this is what is harmful of that, right? Here's some pictures of people with their hands blown off, things like that, right? Uh, so uh, don't show that to a 10-year-old, never mind. Um, but the point is, is that when you add in the why, then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden I have a rule and I have a reason, okay? And then that gives me something logically to follow, and that's really, really good there. Um, if you grew up in a home where it was just up because I said so, you probably have some resentment, okay? There might still be lingering, maybe some forgiveness you need to seek God for, things you need to leave at the cross and at the altar. Uh, but it's because someone was bearing down on you, but they weren't letting you in on the reason why that needs to happen, okay? Um, how many of you can attest to someone that had a personal relationship with you that really helped you as you were growing up? And oftentimes, maybe it, may, it might not be a uh, parent, uh, but someone that went out of their way in order to help you with a personal relationship that went the extra mile that really had a good impression on you. Does anybody have anybody like that, Sean? grandfather's best friend, his name was Chuck, um, he was kind of like, men, you know, he, he was a, kind of a mentor to my father and myself. Awesome. He put us to work, taught us how to do things, um, so it's good. Good. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have a singles um, ministry uh, teacher that actually kind of included me in their family, taught me what a Christian home was like. Awesome. If you didn't previously see that example, they showed you what that example was like. Amen. Wow. And it rubbed off secondhand. Isn't that amazing? You, did, you can grow up in a bad... And this is why I love, I love the bus ministry. Because they can grow up in whatever kind of home that is, okay? Off t- and I've been inside the homes. And it doesn't make them bad parents, right? A lot of times they just... They don't know better. They don't have the Bible in their house. Or they don't... Whatever. And so these kids have to... They move 20 times growing up. There's no stability. There's a lot of yelling, whatever, whatever. And they can get on a bus. And this is why I love family serving together. Because I hope that me and my wife can show them, hey... This is what it could look like, right? And uh, not, not every kid on my bus, of course, comes. a lot of them comes from great homes. But some of them come from homes that are not, not super great. And I want them to be able to look at, at, at us and other people in the ministry and say, okay, you know what? I could have something like that. Or we, we could do that instead. We don't have to be yelling at each other. It doesn't have to be fighting and stuff. And that's great that you guys are showing that in your homes. Anybody else? You have some, someone that showed you that. Kara. somebody else that was a leader in the church ministry. I was going through a divorce. 
feeling ashamed, like I need to walk away from the church that pulled me back in and said, this is mostly you need to be saved in ministry. You're not, you're not out of walk with God. And by you basically feeling like you don't belong here because you're bad, it showed me a different aspect to not just God, but how the church body should be. And how, um, because growing up, you know, with all of that, it's easy for people to say, well, you're the people that grew up in this. You should know better and they shame you because not all kids grow up and will walk that path. But for somebody to actually come along and truly show that, you know, she, she led by example. She went through a lot in her life. And it's just a whole different facet that sometimes people fail to realize. Awesome. Amen, amen. Um, there's a good quote that uh, John Maxwell has that says, um, touch a heart before you ask for a hand. So in other words, invest in somebody before you try to lead them somewhere. If you'll do that, if you'll just spend time loving. If, if you're at a spot, let me just encourage you with this because I know that we're all over the borders. I look around. Some of you have uh, 19 and 20-year-olds. Some of you have kids that are younger. Some of you have uh, newborns. If, if you've got to a really deteriorated, uh, thank you. Thank you for proving my point right there. Right on cue. That was good. Um, if you've got to a really deteriorated place in your relationship between you and your child, and it can happen, right? Um, particularly maybe mom with that, with, the, with that boy who's trying to come into his own. So he's, he's, he's pushing against you a lot. You might need to spend some time just really, really seeking their heart, doing some special things for them, loving on them, whatever else. And then all of a sudden they say, hey, you know what? Mom's not, they, they can fall back in line a bit and then you can lead them somewhere. And sometimes we get to that point where it's just you're vengeful and they're vengeful. And then you're both, you know, he started, he started, but you're the adult, right? So you need to be the one to pull out of that death spiral if you can, okay? And you're saying, I'm going through this with my four-year-old, you know? Then, uh, then spend some time investing and loving on them. And then you're able to, to say, okay, now, now I want to take you somewhere. We got a good place to go. Jama? Um, my grandfather uh, is an elder in the Kingdom Hall of Bill's Witnesses. And uh, I grew up the elder's grandson and just like Kara, I'd be the perfect kid. And, and uh, when I got kicked out at age 18, um, I stayed with a family called The Goods. And John Good was such an amazing influence. Uh, we, we managed a farm. Uh, he's tall, hillbilly, um, you know, and just he was one of those guys where he was just real. Um, and that is what really shaped me, was him just being real. He wasn't, you know, the person in the church that's holier than thou. They have no issues and faith in the Lord. No, they're like, no, these are real issues that happen in families, and this is how we get through them. Yeah. And that has definitely shaped my uh, my walk with God for sure. Amen. Amen. That's good. Uh, notice if you're raising a, a, a boy, most of the guys that says something or whatever, it was a guy that, that worked with them and did things with them. And that's really true. Get uh, Do things with your son. You have a lot of teachable moments as you. Uh, work through some things. Um, and just want to say this personal relationships. Dad, don't don't check out. Um, I think that sometimes we feel like a day of hard work entitles us to a night off when we get home. Uh, however, you're trading the work responsibility for a domestic responsibility when you go home. Um, so there's a famous scene, if you've seen uh, The Incredibles, uh, where the, the they're at the dinner table and Dad's off just reading a paper. He's doing his own thing, right? So Mom's trying to deal with the kids. And, uh, and so she's, she keeps asking him for help, right? 
And uh, so it's not really not a superhero movie. It's really it's a it's a movie about marriage, really. Uh, and so she she's yelling at him, and uh, she says she says Bob, I I need you to engage. I need you to do. And you can tell she's trying to use these buzzwords that she probably learned in a parenting class somewhere, or in a couples therapy class, or whatever. And uh, he just yells from another room. He just says, "Kids, listen to your mother." And that's that's sort of where a lot of homes get uh, to where the the dad is reluctantly. Uh, if if pushed or if the drama is brought to his front lap or if someone stands in front of his vision of the television, that's when he'll engage. Uh, but as as Christian dads, we want to be proactively engaged uh, in our family and and bringing the the, the energy and in, in to their front door there and everything as well. Um, look at this here, persistency. Or sorry, uh, prayer first. <laughs> prayer. Mark nine twenty nine says this, and he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing. But by prayer and fasting, but by prayer and fasting, let me ask you this, what, this verse right here, and this is a really, really good verse, this kind, so a special, a special healing, a special power cannot come forth, but by prayer and fasting. Let me ask you, dad of a wayward child or dad or mom of a child you feel like you're not connecting with their heart. When was the last time you prayed through a long time for them. When was the last time you fasted? You, you skipped a lunch, you skipped a dinner, you skipped a meal to say, I'm going to dedicate this 30 minutes to pray for this child who's slipping away. Man, that's crazy. My mother-in-law, um, she has for, I mean, how long? 10 years. Uh, she has a day where she, she, she fasts that day to pray uh, for, for her kids and pray for the needs that's in their lives. And everything like that. Now they're grown. They're from they're from thirty four years old to uh, how old do you know, babe? You're thirty you now, thirty years old, right? And so uh, they're they're a long span there of uh, ages and stuff there. So the point you're missing a good point though, okay? And that is that. Uh, sorry, that yeah, you're supposed to focus on the prayer and fasting part. Um, if if you won't miss a meal to pray for to pray for your kids or to pray for a big big need in their life. I mean, what are you going to fast and pray for? So we're going to come into a time here in March, coming up and revival's happening. We're going to say, hey, we're going to sign up, say, hey, why don't you take, take a lunch, uh, dedicate here. We're going to pray and we're going to fast for God to revive our church. So that's a church. That's people that you don't even live with. If you're unwilling to say, I'm going to give up this time to really, really, really pray for my own kids that I birthed, that are my flesh and blood, I don't know what can move you to see the importance of praying in the home. And I love that verse, this kind cometh not forth, but by prayer and fasting. If you have a serious need, Get serious. That's what we need to do. And show God that we're serious about that. Next year is persistency. This is the process. We need to have a personal relationship. We need prayer in the home, and then we need persistency. A child spells love, T-I-M-E, T-I-M-E. You know, it's funny. I was, I was talking, and I asked kids often, hey, you know, your parents love you or whatever. And they say, yeah, yeah. So I'll often say, well, how, how do you know your parents love you? And they go back to either things that their parents do with them, things their parents buy, or activities that they do. Now, you would say, I would say, how do you know that you love your child? You're going to give a much more mature answer, okay? Uh, but your child doesn't understand the eternal bond between a father and son that represents uh, Christ and the church and the eternal marriage of those two. They don't understand that. What they understand is dad plays with me. He throws the ball with me. Uh, he's willing to, he wrestles with me. Mom hangs out with me. Uh, she takes me cooking. She, she shows me how to cook. She shops with me. She does fun things with me, whatever. And so kids spell love, T-I-M-E. So we need to do this first. We look at this in time and then also in training. In time and then in training. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Any fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, 
but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Seriously, would, would guys be willing and tempted in, in a little bit of anger and rage to poke at their children to sort of provoke them? Absolutely. Why? Because guys are wired uh, sometimes to, to, to not uh, be as loving and to maybe to be led uh, by frustration and things like that. Uh, it never tells a lady not to provoke, uh, but it will tell a guy not to provoke. Training, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the, ways, in the way he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it. Let's look at the last thing here then, the product, the product. We're doing great on time today. What did we say the product was? That is until Christ be formed in you, okay? Until Christ be formed in you. Um, two things to bring about this product what you're looking for. You're looking for the inward molding of the heart. The inward molding of the heart. Now, oftentimes, um, seriously? Oftentimes, um, someone will, an adult will surprise me, right? And maybe they quit church or they they get mad about something or whatever else and it kind of took me by surprise, okay? Because I didn't see it coming. But, the great thing about kids is that they don't – they're not able to mask or veil that as much. So how do you know if, some, if a kid is struggling inwardly? Well, typically they wear it on their face pretty good. Uh, they're, they're not as good at clouding their emotions or their attitudes, and you know this pretty well because uh, you have kids and you've seen this in action before. And so be looking for those signs of inward of the heart there. So inward – the inward molding of the heart, and then B is the outward manifestation, the outward manifestation. And you already have these filled in there, outward manifestation. So let's look at this then. In conclusion, I want you to write uh, these things down if you need them. Um, what is the pattern? What is the pattern that we should be going for? And the pattern is Jesus. You can write that down in your notes right there. The pattern is Jesus. He is the pattern that we should be pursuing and, and going for. The, the process, what's the process? It's personal discipleship. Personal discipleship. Right there, you can write this straight out of the Incredibles. You can just write the word engage. Engage, right? Getting engaged in your home. Personal discipleship. And then the product that we're looking for is Christ-likeness. Until Christ be formed in them why is it that so many people don't have excellent godly kids well that verse tells us in there the bible says this in whom i labor and travail and birth again until christ be formed in you it's a lot of hard consistent work to raise children with a true love desire and heart for god it really is it takes you saying okay these are what the rules are. Mom and dad, it takes you plotting that course. Dad, it takes you being involved and engaged in your family. This is the direction that we're going to go. These are the things that don't happen in this house. These are the things that we do in this house. It takes you checking on their heart, spending time with them. And if all that sounds like a lot of work, then you're absolutely right. It really, really is. It's a lot easier just to be their taxi, take them to work where they need to go. Be their wallet, pay for camps, pay for things like that. All right, Brother Mark, I hope that you're producing something in my teenager. All right, Brother Kurt, I really hope that you're connecting with them in King's Kids for the hour and a half that you have them. 
but it takes a lot more time to produce that. Here's what I want you to do then. And right in, in five minutes, this question is going to hit our class Facebook page, and so you can go fill this out. But below there, it says mission statement for the, and I want you to write in your last name right there, all right? So this is the mission statement for the blank family, all right? Whoever you are. And I want you to take a little bit of time and say, okay, if we were to have a mission statement that were to define what we want to produce in our household for our kids, for our family, for us as a unit, all right, for our whole company, what would that look like? I don't care if there's three of you or if there's eight of you or beyond that, um, whatever that is, decide this is what we want it to look like and what we want our family uh, to do. If you're willing to share that, then you can, you can put that um, on our class Facebook page. But does anybody have any uh, comments or uh, thoughts about that, having something that will lead your family in that way because we're doing excellent on time today, getting through the whole lesson. Look at us, aren't we so good? Anybody? Anybody ever wrote it out before? You ever wrote out what your mission statement is for your family? You guys have before? Okay, that's good. Huffman, yeah, that's good. That'll determine which way you should go from there. And honestly, you might look at this and say, hey, we're a little off, we're a little off track right now. Maybe you've gotten into a bad spot relationship with your kid. Maybe you need to reinvest some time before you try to bring in more rules. But whatever it is, just be determined that we want to, by faith and in godly desire, lead our home. So the first thing we looked at was the enemy of no direction. And we don't want to fall into that 